Six Nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six Nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk. Hi, it's Alfie here, the presenter of The Ruck. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to tell you about Funding Circle. Funding Circle backs small and medium UK businesses with simple, competitive business finance. They've supported over 90,000 British businesses with £12 billion in finance since 2010. So if you're looking to overcome challenges or push your business forward, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. And for that reason, they've teamed up with Saracens and England hooker Jamie George. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. He's, he's a, a... Oh, that's my plumber. Do I answer that? Yeah, go on. I can't answer the plumber now. I will get back to him after. Uh, go on, answer the plumber. Hello, everybody. We're just about to record the latest episode of our top-rated podcast, The Ruck, from the Times and Sunday Times. The script editors give me uh, the script, and it says here that we've got three of the finest sports journalists of the era on the panel today. So we just wait until they get here. In the meantime, there are three drunks in the studio that we can't get rid of. So as secu- soon as security's done that, we're, we'll be off and running. On second thoughts, we better go with the drunks. Um, Owen Slot, the rugby correspondent of the Sunday Times. Beautiful intro, Steve, thank you. I thought it was good as well. Yeah, um, your best. Owen, uh, so far, is campaigning rigorously for the return uh, to Richmond Rugby Club of all the players he claims were poached for the women's uh, premiership. So no doubt we'll get, we'll get to that. We've also got Tom Hamilton, uh, the rugby editor of ESPN, uh, one of the brightest young prospects in the world of rugby journalism. Um, well... Probably in the top 20 anyway, I'd say. And, um, and finally, uh, we are so confident in ourselves now that we even invite rivals, albeit from the little-known Daily Mirror. we got with us today uh, Alex Spink for the first time, and he's most welcome. Alex has uh, had a fantastic career in which he's covered rugby, golf, athletics and tennis. And we're all joking apart. Is definitely regarded as one of the best journos in the game. And you think I'm going to make a wisecracker about that? Well, I'm not. Because Still waiting. Because it's true. It's true. Alex, uh, we'll, we'll just come to you first. Um, I know that you, uh, you're very concentrated on rugby and a lot of it is English rugby, but I know you take a global view of the game. Now, the next World Cup is in Japan in two years' time. Um, Japan's, Japan's team, what emerging players are coming through that you've seen? Well, I've been studying this at length over the weekend, Steve. That's so hard. And <laughs> I seem to remember that there was a, a fantastic um, little guy. Well, well, we'll probably come back. <laughs> we'll probably come back to that. We'll probably come back to that. Um, you might be able to come in later on that when you thought of someone. Uh, guys, um, where, where have we been? What have we done? What have we seen since we... Uh, last gathered for a podcast. Alex, uh, what have you seen that you enjoyed, loved, hated on your recent travels? Well, obviously I was in Tokyo for most of the weekend. 
answering your first question. Um, I thought that um, the RFU press conference last Tuesday or Wednesday when Steve Brown, the new RFU chief executive, um, was introduced was illuminating on the one hand, quite amusing on the other actually. I mean, he came out with some some comments. Uh, the quote was, we want to win everything in which we're involved. We want to be the strongest country for rugby across the globe. I don't think there's an excuse not to be that, which I'm sure um, rebounded around New Zealand in particular. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's laid it on the line in the rich tradition of uh, RFU strategic reports, which have never been slow in coming forward. <laughs> do you think, do you think yeah. that's poem this guy or something he had to say, or is there a chance of, sort of some sort of world domination? I think, it's, I think there is a chance of it, but whether the RFU always need to come out and say it is another matter. Owen, what, what's, uh, what have you seen and heard that you loved? I think my highlight of the week was recording a podcast without you, Steve. I, and I don't, don't mean to sort of break your heart or anything, but in all seriousness, you got stuck at Datchet last week, didn't you? Hmm. And um, and that was a sad thing. But I ended up doing the podcast solo with Will Fraser, and um, we, and we sat in this very room and had a, a forty-five minute non-stop talking through his life and his career. And it was felt like a bit of a privilege actually for him to share everything that he'd been through. Uh, how his uh, really interesting family situation with his brother had uh, influenced his take on how he dealt with endless injuries and then his eventually his eventually his forced retirement for the game and um it's it, when a when a player opens up like that to you then you've been in a good place that's that's a good one thank you for that uh, for not missing me at all I feel absolutely gutted now tom so I was at the um, the World Cup uh, briefing on Monday where each of the three candidates for 2023 put forward their claims for why they should be hosting the Rugby World Cup. I think ultimately it's going to come down to money. Um, that seems to be the crux of a lot of the plans there. South Africa went on a slightly different tangent by actually mentioning player welfare, which was quite refreshing. Um, Ireland had put together a great presentation, to be fair. They had the Prime Minister there. Um, he was the only sort of the, the leading figure there from... Um, different countries the, the French uh, president didn't even feature in the video um, so that was quite an interesting one in terms of what I've enjoyed there was a, a clip which came to light over the weekend of uh, Scott Brits with a, a young fan who was a young fan looked quite upset went to a game last season Scott Brits took the time out ended up teaching him a few tackling moves on the pitch uh, with a three year old proof that how much I think Rubby's going to miss him when he retires at the end of the season as well he has been one of the, the great figures in the Premiership w- will they ever I mean he's one of the most heroic figures I've actually ever come across and their story was slightly expanded on this morning because the young lad had lost his dad recently so it was very 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 poignant okay just, just on, on that World Cup stuff the the French turned up with Jonah Lomu's two young boys didn't they yep did that persuade you that they should be the host nation or did that actually come over as slightly tasteless I wasn't there but it, it didn't sound too smart to me from a cynical point of view it looked opportunist obviously found out that one of Jonah's two children had been born in um, Marseille when a uh, when Sebastian Chabal was asked what the two guys were doing there, he said they live in France and then was corrected by a translator that no, they actually one of them was born in France. So it was, it was a slightly strange uh, slightly strange approach from them. I think Dan Carter was also meant to be there but couldn't make it. Uh, it, it was Some people called it crass in the mm. room. Um, other people thought it was a nice touch to include Jonah Lomu, but equally Jonah Lomu's children would have such a, a similar claim to the South Africa's bid because that was where of course he came onto the world stage so it was a divisive approach I'd say. It's funny because uh, I, I, it sounded awful I actually went the week before to the, when France introduced their bid and went through it and it was just Claude Ache, a great old bruiser and it was the best 
media presentation I've been to in more than 25 years. He was absolutely brilliant and uh, mesmerically brilliant. But anyway, there we go. We're, we're not voting. Let's talk rugby. Alex, um, you have uh, been telling us before we came on air that uh, you were very unenamoured of the game between Wasps and Bath yesterday. <laughs> it was on TV, so a lot of people saw it. Um, just just sum up the game, how poor it was, and uh, is it, does it say something about the rest of the Premiership? It was dire, in fact. Um, there wasn't much to get excited about. Was 150th birthday. Um, it fell very flat on the pitch. Um, I mean, they've got a they've got a stack load of injuries. You have to you do have to say that a lot of injuries. Um, but nonetheless, they would be very disappointed that against a Bath team which hasn't offered that much this season, other than extraordinary back row defence. And I think Sam Underhill. I think he's made 50 tackles in two matches, which is you know fairly extraordinary. Apart from that, Wasps were really unable to craft anything and they've, they've lost three in a row now, first time in 18 months. First time they haven't scored a try in that time. Um, these are pretty difficult times for Dai Young. Owen, oh, uh, you gave in the Times this morning a big uh, uh, big ups to the Bath back row. Yeah, I thought I thought they were terrific. Uh, though Wasps Wasp attack, they, they've, they've lost confidence in what they used to do. A Wasp attack has become sort of very, very one man up, then one man up again on his, on their own. So it doesn't actually make it that much of a test for them. And Sam Underhill did have to go through the, get through those twenty five tackles, and 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 he's immaculate. He's so impressive. But Wasp seemed to be stuck between what playing playing adventurous. Uh, um, clever rugby, and and they've been hammered in the last couple of weeks by Dai Young for trying to do that too quickly and and uh, not not creating the holes um, before going through them, and they seem to have gone to the other extreme of of just bashing away now. And it was unwasp, unlike wasps. I mean, they they were missing their most creative players in Cipriani and, and Willie Larousse, and Dan Robson wasn't there either. So they are they are um, uh, severely uh, hampered by all, all these injuries, but they, they, their sort of identity seems to have gone at the same time. It's funny because um, it was gonna, meant to be a great weekend of, of rugby. The Leicester, um, Leicester game against Exeter, which was exciting towards the end, was, I thought, very, very poor. That was poorly played and actually poorly refereed as well. And uh, Exeter were way off their normal game. So uh, God, God help uh, Newcastle this week who go there because the Exeter very rarely play badly twice. Tom, you were at an over ball game uh, yesterday. Tell us about uh, the American football at Wembley. I've seen three American football games live now and each of them have been dire. Uh, saw the one at Twickenham last year, which wasn't a thriller. The last two games at Wembley have been um, very one-sided. So uh, I'm still very much in the early stages of my American football experience. Um, I'm trying my best to learn from more seasoned uh, experienced heads like uh, the man to my left, Alex Spink, who is somewhat of an aficionado. I found out on the uh, mm. on the gridiron. Um, He's not well, but, a bit so, more than he is on Japanese rugby, though. Well, it was it was a good experience, but I'm still waiting to see a classic. Those NFL games are phenomenally well supported. They all sell out within minutes, don't they? Yep, it was a sellout again yesterday. And here we are it's talking about club rugby and and whether it was a good weekend or a poor weekend. But the the attendances are, are nothing near it. I know it's only one game and. And it's it's got a real rarity value, but it is you know these are sort of cousins the two sports, aren't they? And the NFL comes in here and just people rush for it. And the, the other point is that the last two rounds of NFL have been pretty spectacular in America. 
the mm. games here have, have fallen pretty flat. So we just got so unlucky with the games here then? Well, they've been completely one-sided the last two weekends at Wembley. Is there any chance that there'll be a London franchise to the NFL? Or is that still a way off? I think it, I think it's a way off. It, it, they're definitely top of the queue. Definitely top of the queue. And they have been for a long time because they guarantee sellouts ever since 2007 when they first came over for the, the regular season games. Always sold out. So there's a, there's a massive constituency of, of interest for it. Um, and it's just really a case of whether they can persuade one of the owners that they're better off coming over here. Now, the one owner who would do it is Shad Khan at Jacksonville Jaguars who owns Fulham Football Club they've been they struggled for for crowds etc traditionally um so that would be the most obvious fit guys uh, looking at back to the viva premiership the table this morning looks odd from some points of view first of all northampton the top after their horrors in the first game but uh, when they when they got absolutely crushed by saracens second but only by uh, a tiny margin newcastle falcons um I'm not being clever after the event. I wasn't one of the boys who thought that Jim Mallinder should resign. I'm very glad that he's got it back together. But um, Slotty, um, Northampton, um, where, have they, where have they got it from? And is this real, their revival? I think, I think where have they got it from? They, I think it was there from the start. They've got a strong squad and a, and a very good pack. And they will get better when Harry Mallinder's moved to his more natural position of 12 or fullback. So they've got um, Piers Francis, who we think might play. Well, they say every week he might play, don't they? But um, they've got Piers Francis coming in at ten. So I, I do see this uh, sustaining, and they've got two decent nines now. Uh, Cobus Reinach hasn't played much yet, uh, so I think they can go on. Uh, Luther Burrell has uh, looks like a player we saw three years ago, didn't he? Mm. Um, I think that's a huge part of it too. George North um, appears to be the player that we saw four years ago. Uh, so it's it's not that it, it was there. It's just why why it was missing. How much are they asking of Piers Francis? He's got a lot of publicity. He's one of Eddie's darling boys. It's very very difficult thing to play twenty two games or even eighteen games in the Premiership at fly half. There's no guarantees there, surely. Well, I was surprised when they signed him, uh, but only because I hadn't been watching much Super Rugby, uh, and the fact and but they only went to him after they'd failed to pick up about five other number 10s that were on the market. About this time last year, there, there was this huge uh, market for 10s. Everyone, everyone was after them, and uh, Montpellier were just putting the prices up through the roof by going for everyone and eventually spending about a million pounds on Aaron Cruden. Um, and, and they got Piers Francis late. Uh, uh, then Eddie picked him for the England squad, and everyone goes, oh, that must be a brilliant signing then. So I think he's got a lot to prove. Alex, uh, Northampton, obviously, w- w- there was dismay after week one. Quite a comeback, though, by them. Yeah, it's, it's been something of a revelation in Northampton. I mean, those of us who cover them in the media will know that they have been, I don't think it's too controversial to say, one of the less media-friendly clubs over the last four, five, six years, to the point that it's been quite difficult to get anything meaningful out of them. Now they've got a new, a new guy, a new chief executive in, um, who's just started, and there has been a transformation um, both on and off the pitch, they are all of a sudden they can't do enough to help us, which is which is wonderful because you know they are they're a, a great club with a great story, um, w- which has fallen on hard times. But on the on the pitch, I think the most exciting part for me has been George North because he was a shadow of himself on the Lions tour. Um, we know what a wonderful player he has been for many years. I, I said in the print at the time he looked a bit gun shy, which is hardly surprising given all the problems he's had with head knocks. But he really looks as though he's, he's back to his game now, as Slotty was saying just now. And 
I think for anyone who kind of cares about Lions, Wales or club rugby, that's a, that's a, that's a big deal. Tom, um, uh, it's always nice to have a geographical spread of teams. Newcastle have been on the verge of relegation for what seems like a, an, an age now. Now that, that at the moment, at least after five games, they're, they're top or near the top of the table. What's your view on, uh, on Newcastle and uh, whether they can keep it up? They made a fantastic start. I think it's the best start they've made to a season since they won the title. Um, it's been a sort of it's been a five-year plan, hasn't it? Really, and it's been they've been making improvements every season. They've made some shrewd signings. The likes of Mark Wilson have really come through. Gonover's now firing. They've still got Toby Flood to come back in. It's going to be interesting to see how they integrate Flood as well um, into this team. In terms of keeping the momentum, they're kind of they're in uncharted waters now as a team, but not with Dean Richards at the helm, who knows what it takes to win silverware. So his role in keeping the momentum, keeping the perspective, is going to be key. Can they keep it up? Well, I think they're. I think they'll be upset if they don't finish in the top six. Perhaps their top four aspirations um, internally, but. They um, they made a good start. The win at Bath was key. They're good against London Irish schools. Some great tries. So they've got the foundations there. It's just whether they can keep that momentum. Is, uh, is Takalua uh, uh, is he the best nine in the Premiership at the well, moment? Well, he's certainly outstanding. There was a really good piece on him yesterday. I read in one of the papers. In fact, I wrote it. No, he's 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 a he's a tremendous player and one of those players that South uh, Pacific Island players are really giving it everything. You know, his heart and soul for him. Who would be oh. your top three Newcastle scrum halves? Um, Mickey Young uh, would be second. Um, Tackalo would be first, and uh, the third one would be a choice of four or five of them. Actually, I'll, I'll think about that after. But um, I was there, I mean, we, you know, we, we think Dean Richards and John Wells in charge, and we think, oh, great malls, rucks, um, not letting the ball go out anywhere. But actually, when you, when you talk to these guys, they've definitely got a vision. And I, I spoke to them at length last week. They really, really impressed me. If you add Dave Walder to give it a bit of fizz, I think there's a coaching group there that could go anywhere. And I, and I, and I really was really impressed by what they said, and they were open and, and, and honest. I think they are going somewhere. I, I think if you said no, you'll finish top six and get into Europe, they'd still probably take it. But you never know. Uh, I think they've got some great players there. Also, again, like everyone, as Alex was saying, with whilst they've got they've got such a lot of players to, to come back in. So the lovely thing about them, Steve, in '98, they Sir John Hall's money. They bought the team which won the, the title. They still had to win the title, but they brought them all in at no expense. Now they've got an academy which is producing almost 50% of their team. So that's a you know that's exactly. a big up for them. And the other thing they've got going for them at the moment is they're winning their games now, uh, and then you go into November in the Six Nations when all the other the other strong teams start losing their best players, and Newcastle will have the same squad cohesion remaining. They they they'll clean should clean up then as well. So that's a, good that's point. a reason for why they could sustain it. And I think I think the fans up there would say, well, success is finishing near the top of the table, obviously. But another success is that all the players they bring up that they keep them there because I mean they've. They, people coming out of the academies and just scattering all over the place at Newcastle. So when they stop that, they really be in business. And I think um, it's not been a great couple of weeks for the Premiership, but I think there's there's a good news story there. But I think it's been been tremendous. Let's um, we've got to come on to a, the, another story which got more publicity than anything: the lion. Now I've had enough of the the people putting his, their hand in the lion well, cage. From the now, lion's but, brilliant. No, but is it been overdone though, the lion? That's the question. Uh, I tell you what we do. Um, How for, long have we been waiting for a lion to to have to such bite a, someone? To have such a big influence on a weekend of rugby? Okay, fair enough. Well, it finally comes, and you're bored of it already. How do you see this story going forward? The lion story. 
Well, uh, the stitches will come out soon, won't they? Yeah, the, the sighting committee is still looking into it, aren't they? On the the lion, though, the I think the Ospreys have said that the lion wasn't guilty. Okay, okay. So, Tom, the lion. What's your what's your view? Was it is it so stupid to put your hand in a cage with a fierce lion, or is it f- fairly simple? Oh, that's a bit harsh. You think he was stupid to put his hand well, in I a don't lion know. cage? I don't know. A, there's different views on that. Tom, it's a cat family. I haven't. Uh, yeah. hmm. I haven't yeah. been in that situation before. Why I not? Say. Um, I'm more a dog person. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Alex, um, last word on the lion uh, for you, uh, Scott Baldwin. Um, uh, another job as a as a as a, a game ranger, or do you think he's ruled himself out? <laughs> well, uh, certainly his coach would probably want him to become a game ranger because the, yeah. the way he reacted to the news that uh, his frontline hooker was unavailable to take on the cheaters, having been done by the lion, <laughs> <laughs> so he was distinctly unimpressed. Oh, that brings us nicely onto the subject of injuries. Um, that's the only one that was caused by um, a lion, but um, I think, but. Let's just be serious for a moment because it is now getting ridiculous in the Premiership. I mean, teams have got 12 and 15 players out. Um, in some places, I think Wasps' props were down to about their 7th and 8th choice on the weekend. Now, um, also, A games are being called off, which which for the te- which for these clubs got massive squads is a real downer. Uh, Tom, what what's happening here? Is it just a freak? Has the game suddenly become nuts? Has the new laws made it dangerous or what? I think it's um, a sign of where things are going at the moment. The talk of extending the season has rightly caused all sorts of uproar in the Premiership. The players, understandably, are concerned at the number of games they're being, their bodies are being put through. Top international, even though they've got this sort of this maximum game limit of 32, it's quite clear that that isn't really being utilised. I think Dan Cole went through about 40 last season, but it's, it's it is a worry. If you look at a team like Gloucester. Um, they, they they lost heavily on Friday evening, but they, they still haven't seen Ross Moriarty this season. Ben Morgan's out injured. A number of their players are out injured. Someone like Henry Trinder, we've hardly seen in the last two years. At one point, it looked like he was going to be the answer to England's outside centre conundrum. But the players are, are clearly taking a battering. Um, week, week on weekend, there seems to be another an England uh, England scare when it comes to injuries this weekend. Nathan Hughes, last weekend, Mike Brown, Billy Van mm. it, It's clear that uh, the players are... It's really taking a big toll on their bodies, and it it is a big old worry. Owen, oh, um, uh, Tom mentioned there. Tom uh, Dan called forty games last season. Can you give us your highlights of those that you remember? The big moments only of uh, well, forty Dan- games. There's a lot lot to talk about, isn't there? But yeah. I, I don't think he's just got the highlights. I don't think he's got through anywhere near forty. No, okay, there was only two players in in English rugby who went who went to over thirty last season. Right. Okay. Um, those were the figures that I was given by PRL Premier Rugby. So. But they're they're on a PR campaign as well, so it's kind of hard to know to to know on that front. But whether you're whether you're near thirty or or forty like Dan Cole, every, it's it's clearly too it's too, clearly too attritional. So should should they play less and let someone else let someone else get injured? Because one of the factors of this season is slight tinkering to the laws, the game sped up. There's more collisions. Question: I think that's the question for the moment. Is has that actually changed what what we're seeing out there? Is that the reason, or or is it a freak? I think we're we're only a few weeks into the season, so it's too too early to tell. But but that's what I would be looking at this stage, and obviously Dan Cole's highlights. Okay, Alex, um, is it is it a game wide thing? And are we get getting to the, the the stage now where rugby is really dangerous to to, to the health because. 
we can be too alarmist about it, but we can also be too sort of smug about it. Well, I, I think in terms of the amount of rugby they play, certainly if they're looking to, to play any more, then I think it, it will become dangerous to the health. I think there is an argument it is already, and I think that probably as a sport, I mean, I, I haven't sat down as, for as long as I should have done to consider that, but I think as a sport, rugby has to do something about it, because at the moment, players are getting bigger and fitter and more powerful each year, and they're playing on the same size pitch, um, and they're running into each other, so the collisions... You don't have to be a scientist to realise that the collisions are getting bigger and bigger year on year. I mean, the, so something has to be done within the sport. You know, if it, in, in golf, for example, they, they, they bring in new technology and new golf balls to hit, the, to hit things further and then they complain that the golf courses aren't big enough. Well, you know, rugby should have it within its powers to do something about it because no one else is going to do it. They have to do it. I, I agree, and uh, the trouble is the lawmaking process is so involved and difficult that. Uh, but we have to keep an eye on it. It'd be wrong to say that rugby's smug or laid back about it, though. I mean, I, oh, I, I, I think I, in, the, in, I agree. in the last five years, the the awareness, particularly of concussion, is just completely transformed, and mm. I think people. Mm. Are right on it, but that doesn't make it easy to solve. But, no, but when, when you see a team sheet that Harlequins brought out on Friday with four players ruled out by concussion from the previous week, I mean that's a that's that, pretty alarming. That is that is alarming, definitely. And uh, I'll, I'll keep on and on about it. But um, the t- the time they uh, took away the, uh, the 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 opposition uh, after indeterminate rucks and moors, and it didn't no longer went to the team going forward, was the time when the play the players were just strung across the field and it's head down bash head down bash incidentally you mentioned PRL there and this thing about extending the season um, PRL I got great admiration for for what they've done for the premiership none at all for um, either for them or the RFU for the because for, none of them have ever chopped a game uh, of any sort at any time the only game they've chopped is vicariously they've chopped the Lions to eight games which the Lions didn't want and which gives the Lions even less chance of winning the first test match so Frankly, uh, what PRL have got to do with the lines, I don't know. Okay, we're just going to move countries now. Um, a lot of publicity last week about the Cardiff Blues. Um, in their Cardiff guys, arguably the greatest club in the world at some some stage. They certainly had the most Lions. Um, what a horrible team to play against. Now Danny Wilson, the coach, has sort of wandered out of there. Um, he wasn't sacked and... Um, didn't really want to leave, but there was just no there was just no budget for him to to make it worthwhile staying. So uh, that is a desperately sad moment. No sign of a revival there. But Alex, uh, amazingly, at long last, Italian teams have uh, have won some games, especially um, beating Ulster, n- 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 no less, uh, on the weekend. So uh, a flash in the pan. Well, I, I'm sure that um, if you if Conor O'Shea was in the studio and you said that, he would raise his eyebrows to say, well, that is just a typical reaction to mm. a first bit of good news from Italy. Mm. Um, on the face of it, you say, well, where did that come from? Where has that come from? You know, maybe it's just a rugby nation that is so sick of being kicked when it's down that, that this is some sort of response from it. I mean, I don't, I don't have a a real good answer for it, but there's no question that that, um, that both Treviso and Zebra have have. Improved. have improved yeah, considerably this season and they've there's a few red faces around that league this season that teams who have gone there maybe haven't been as fired up as they should have been um, and have paid the price well they won't be making that mistake and you know we, we look back to the Six Nations and uh, and the way that Italy left England with red faces and it's, it's it hasn't been the worst year for them really all in all think, think about Benetton is is 
to my understanding, they're, well, it, it's funded by the Benetton family, the, the clothing brand, that, so they have the, the backing of as wealthy a, a backer as, as, as you find in Europe. There's, I, mean, I, I wouldn't say that they're up there with um, Johan Rupert, who backs Saracens, for instance, but there's a phenomenal amount of wealth there. Hmm. And so I, I'm always a, a, a bit... Um, uh, I, I don't, I've, I've always wondered why they haven't been able to achieve success earlier. I mean, they they beat Edinburgh a week ago, and that was like wow. And Italian won, teams won something, but with with all that behind them, it, it shouldn't be impossible for them to to get a good team. Oh, the thing is, they get they get massive amount from the Six Nations and from TV for for Europe. Tom, uh, it's if they are better, it's way it's way 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 late. But um, uh, and again, they're they're on they're on notice to to quit the uh, European main competition because and also Pro 14 because. Um, if, uh, if if they don't do better, they're going to be out of that and be replaced by apparently by American teams. So maybe it's desperation on their part. I think the American teams are going to take a little bit longer due to the that deal they've got at the moment, USA Rugby and Pro Rugby. But I think it's in regards to the Italians. It's I think we're we're seeing this the sort of the Conor O'Shea influence now and Stephen Abud as well, who who joined him there when he took over at Italy. This summer we saw Michael Bradley come in at uh, Zebra, who's clearly brought. Um, more bite to what they're doing there um, and similarly with Treviso they're, they're slowly finding some sort of uh, continuity and some form there but it's definitely I think O'Shea's had a, a big say in how they do the, the restructuring of the what's it called the Excellenza 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 yeah. thank you yeah. I'm still yeah. trying to work out the pronunciation of that but it's, it's, yeah we saw that yeah. excellent but yeah. I, just yeah lion's den um, but now we're, we're they're slowly improving and it's it's definitely good to see I mean if you look at the conference A Zebra above Connaught Ospreys and if you look at the B Treviso they've got two wins as well so two wins from five not a bad way to start Alex uh, just, just going to a, a, a movement Gary Gold uh, we, we understand um is going to leave Worcester at the end of the season to go to the USA. Now we all we're all desperate for the USA to come through and win games. It, that seems a bit slow process as well. But um, where does that leave Worcester when you know that your coach and I actually like Gary and rate him. But where does that leave him when you know your coach is going at the end of the season? In the same sort of hole as Cardiff Blues, I would say. Um, yeah, I mean exactly that. You, you're asking you're asking players to to often commit to the future in terms of contract talks. Um, and they like to know who's going to be in charge and who's going to want them there before they do that. That's off the field, and then on the field, when you're asking them to, you know, to give them all, put their bodies on the line, and commit everything they've got, and they know that the the boss is leaving at the end of the season. Well, you know, that just might put the one percent of doubt or the one percent less commitment um, into what they're doing. Um, so it's, I don't think it's a healthy situation. I, I'm not really sure why these things are announced as early as they are. Honestly, it's baffling. Oh, in um, uh, we were talking about uh, Steve Brown, the new chief executive, not not the high-profile man as some of the previous ones have been. New, new chief executive at Twickenham, setting out as Alex said, huge goals for England, world domination, etc., and also possibly um, looking for another foreign coach. It's been expected that Eddie Jones would be succeeded by someone he's brought on from the ranks. Uh, but Steve Brown clearly held up the possibility of there being another foreign coach. Yeah, that was a that was a big backtrack, um, as you say. So when Ed, when Eddie Jones joined, it was very much part of the ticket. He's going to develop a succession plan, and there's going to be an English coach to come. And uh, I guess with a new chief executive, he can take a new tack. But he was very clear. He said it doesn't have to be English. He didn't say he's going to go foreign. Um, but but he, he opened the door to to another foreign coach coming in 
and um, well that that shows that the succession plan hasn't worked or has he looked at the succession plan and and, 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 and sees grave doubt in it I don't see why he do- doesn't look at the, at the premiership and look at some extremely successful talented English coaches who are doing really well there which for some reason uh, doesn't seem to come into people's thinking I Tom, think- Tom does he have to uh, is it important that it's an England coach or does no one give a damn if he's a good man I think uh, you'd like to see someone like Rob Baxter giving a shot if he if he wants the job. Um, you t- spoke about trying to get a like for like replacement for Eddie Jones. I don't think there is anyone like Eddie Jones. There's, we've we've got to know him pretty well over the last couple of years. He's he's a fairly unique character. Um, if you look, no at, way is there another one out there. No. So unless they went for someone like a, a Steve Hansen or Warren Gatland, then I'd, I'd say those three are the top top three coaches in the world at the moment. And it's I, I think it's a it's a tall ask, a big ask for them to find anyone quite like him. Alex? Yeah, well, I think the problem is that for the England job, you have to have an international number one coming in to take the job. Um, And clearly, with Eddie in charge, there isn't enough oxygen in the room for another number one to to come through under Eddie. So it's going to have to be somebody from outside of his... Um, outside of his circle that, that comes in to take the number one job. He, he brings the likes of, of Steve Borthwick and Paul Guster through specialist coaches, specialist areas. There's no reason they can't hire, but they're not number ones. They're never uh, going to be number you, ones. You're absolutely right. Those sort of coaches, they're, 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 there's in the autocracy of Eddie, there's one guy who's in the yeah. throne and then the other coaches. But it's, it's like him. one of those jobs where it says, you know, you must be experienced. Think, well, hang on, am I going to get experienced? I've never done the job, I suppose. It is, it is tough, but no, well, you're I right. I think it they need to... They, they, I think if, if somebody is serious about doing it, yeah. they need to say, let's say Rob Baxter or Jim Mallander, someone like that, if they really are serious, they need to go abroad, apply for jobs like the USA job, or prove themselves at international level, and then they will become more attractive because they, they will prove that they can be a number one at international level. You can't fake that. You can't just go from a club and pretend you can do it. You have to have the experience, in my opinion. Is, is Andy Good. Farrell get, getting to that stage? I mean, his, the amount of the body of experience that he's building up is pretty phenomenal. Apart from he's not been a number one. That's, that, that's good. He may, he may be just... The, the leap for him may be not as long as some of the others, put it that way. Okay, finally, guys, just before I ask you for something you're looking forward to before the next podcast, uh, Argentina, they're absolutely hopeless <laughs> and, and they're getting worse. And if you don't pick your foreign players, lads, you, everything you've worked for is going to go down the toilet. Okay, Alex, um, what are you looking forward to the next week? I'm looking forward to what's the team with zero form and only a handful of players going to Saracens on Sunday and beating them. That's a that's a good one. It's a good one. You get good odds. You get good odds. It's a bit like QPR winning the t- winning the uh, the title. Or indeed Tottenham winning at Wembley. Thank you very much. Um, I, you had that. I, I asked for that. I'm looking forward to the Gloucester Northampton, which I might go to on Saturday. Uh, because one of the one of the players that we ever mentioned in the Northampton revival is Tom Collins, who uh, has been scoring some really sensational tries regularly. Tom Collins does not fit the, the, the mould of a modern rugby player in that he is not big and strapping and hugely powerful. He's just he's phenomenally fast and quick. So you could say he's a bit like Christian Wade to maybe get another never get a look in for England. But he is a guy that, that's really hit the premiership by storm this season. That's a fair one. Tom Hamilton, what are you looking forward to? I quite like the look of um, London Irish against Leicester. I think uh, London Irish 
they look out of all the teams we've seen promoted in recent times they seem to have settled quickest perhaps I mean they won the first game they're making slow improvements under Nick Kennedy but I think this could be a game where if things go well uh, then they could potentially knock over the Tigers OK well mine's a, mine's a round ball well I'm just looking forward to Harry Kane lads just getting it N- netting 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 every week The biggest rugby tournament of the year is coming to a Green King pub near you. Watch all the unmissable action live as Europe's top six battle it out for glory in the Six Nations tournament. In and out, in and out, for the line! Leave your rivalries at the door and get their team together to watch the Six Nations. Feel the excitement and the buzz of coming together to enjoy matchday food and drink at your nearest Green King sports pub. The Six Nations and Green King. 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. The Ruck Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Funding Circle and Saracens, British and Irish Lions and England hooker Jamie George is with me to explain how Funding Circle are supporting small and medium-sized UK businesses because Jamie, you, as well as being a rugby player, are also a small business owner. Yeah, I own a business with uh, a good school friend of mine, Rhys Carter. It's called Carter and George. We're a physiotherapy business. Uh, We've been up and running for about six years now and sort of our strap line is delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. If you're looking to improve different parts of your business or hire talent with extra know-how, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Jamie, you want to do the sign-off for us? Absolutely. Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how I'm growing my business backed by Funding Circle. Like a constant glorious stream. <laughs> Owen Slot, Tom Hamilton, Alex Spink. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for downloading us. Thanks for listening to us, everybody out there. And thanks for all your kind comments. The Ruck will be back next week. Thanks for listening to the Ruck Podcast. We're delighted to be teaming up with Funding Circle and Funding Circle Ambassador Jamie George is with me. All right, Jamie? Hello. Hello. How are you? All good. Good, good. So away from Saracens and England duty, you are a business owner and Funding Circle is a huge supporter of small and medium sized UK businesses. How have they helped you? Yeah, so uh, I've got a business with a friend of mine. It's a physiotherapy business, effectively delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. And we've been looking to expand and grow the business as quickly as we can. And with the financial products that Funding Circle have done, we wouldn't have been able to do it without them. So Funding Circle has been supporting small businesses with access to the finance they need to grow since 2010. And they know that like rugby, running a business takes hard work, drive and a good team supporting you. If you want to invest in your business and take your team to the next level, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Jamie, can you do the honours? Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. The biggest rugby tournament of the year is coming to a Green King pub near you. Watch all the unmissable action live as Europe's top six battle it out for glory in the Six Nations tournament. In and out, in and out, for the line! 
Leave your rivalries at the door and get the team together to watch the Six Nations. Feel the excitement and the buzz of coming together to enjoy matchday food and drink at your nearest Green King sports pub. Scores in the corner! The Six Nations and Green King. 18plusdrinkaware.co.uk 